Glad they've got something to keep my knees from showing. (laughs) While they're knocking, we're glad you're here today. I do want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 24 and reading from verse 36 through uh, 53. And when you find your place in sacred Scripture, uh, would you stand out of the reading, honor of the reading of God's Word publicly? We'll talk to you today about God, the Lord's final words, our Lord's final words uh, to us. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that He was a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they were still uh, did not believe it because of joy and amazement, He asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures, and he told them, This is what was written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high." And when he, when he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he lifted, uh, he lifted them and took, uh, and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. May the Lord add His richest blessing to the reading of His Word, and you may be seated. In the last several weeks, our pastor has done a remarkable job in uh, sharing with us the seven last words of Christ from the cross. And then on Easter Sunday, uh, we, He led us to celebrate the resurrection, the high point in Christian life. But between the uh, resurrection and the ascension, we find that there are 40 days of time that elapsed. Now, we have to really get all the gospel accounts to get the chronology of how this transpired. Now, Matthew, uh, he uh, talks about his disciples going to Galilee. And then uh, he, Jesus appears to them in Galilee and Then he gives them the great commission found in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. And then uh, Matthew kind of passes off the scene as far as the 
chronology is concerned. Mark gives the shortest account, and he links the commission and the ascension almost together. And then John's version is the longest. You might know John's version has to be the longest, but anyhow, Jesus appears to Mary at the tomb, and then he appears uh, twice to the disciples in the upper room, uh, once without Thomas and once with Thomas, and then he records that Jesus appeared to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias in John 21. And there he, uh, uh, he was uh, helping them to catch that miraculous catch of fish. And then uh, the restoration of Simon Peter is found also in chapter 21 of the book of John. And then the ascension is mentioned. But it's Luke that gives us the most concise uh, statement of how that transpired. The word that I have read in your hearing a moment ago, he gives us the precise, precise timeline. First of all, he says, Mary at the tomb, the travelers on the road to Emmaus, and then the disciples in the upper room, 10 of them, and then 11 of them when Thomas joins them, seven uh, fishing by the Sea of Tiberias, and then he moves uh, to sharing with them that Jesus appeared to five a hundred, and also, uh, that is the Apostle Paul alludes to that, and then they back in Jerusalem. So you see, the, uh, there's a kind of a confusion timeline as far as all four Gospels are concerned, but every one of them mentions this event here that we've talked about this morning. Uh, and I want to share a few words with you because I know that uh, uh, we've got to follow up on that seven last words. So this is the very last word. Because Jesus is going to ascend into heaven and sit himself at the right hand of the Father and to make intercessions for us. So that's his job today. And so Luke tells us that there are uh, a, a time lapse between verses 43 and verse 44. He makes it clear that Jesus appeared to them back in Jerusalem because he's already been to Galilee and the Sea of Tiberias. And now he's back in, Gal back in Jerusalem because he had told the disciples to wait there until they were endued with power. Now they're back in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, the Scripture says, and while he wa they were talking about this event, what event? Possibly the appearance uh, to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he's, he's talking about this event, how Jesus had appeared already many times. And while he, they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. And then he said, peace be with you. And so uh, Jesus is making his final attempt to teach the disciples that he is the Messiah and that he's risen from the dead and he's going back to the Father. So I want you to look at some things here with me today. Resurrection is very important in the life of we who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, is because that uh, resurrection is a fulfillment of what he promised. Jesus, I'm going to die, and on the third day I'm going to rise again. And he fulfilled that promise. He made good on what he had promised. And then a second thing that makes it important is Christ is the ruler of God's eternal kingdom, and he was not a false prophet nor an imposter. We can also be certain that, certain that our resurrection is sure because of his resurrection. I think one of the songs that we sang this morning told us that, 
that we're going to, as Jesus was resurrected from the dead, we too have the possibility of being resurrected from the dead. And also that uh, Jesus said that, uh, that uh, I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. And neither shall any man snatch them out of my Father's hands. My Father who gave them me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. And I and my Father are one. And then again, the resurrection is important because the power that raised Jesus from the dead also can bring our spiritual bodies back to life again. The resurrection is the basis of the Christian message. Had it not been for the resurrection, we would not have anything to say to a lost and dying world. We could not point to a Christ that made all the promises and fulfilled all the promises and now has promised us uh, also. The Great Commission is very important, but the Great Commission just tells us what the message, what to preach the message. We're to preach the message of the resurrection. And Jesus stood in their midst and he revealed himself, I'm alive. It's I myself. I'm here. And I want you to notice some things about this. I've given you a little short outline in your, in your bulletin. Uh, some uh, of our folks have said uh, they didn't like me to do that because they couldn't follow me. Well, I gave you an outline, so you follow me. First of all, I want you to look at the fact that uh, there's the wonder of the wounds. Here is a resurrected Christ who has wounds in his hands and his feet. I cannot explain that because the Bible tells us that we'll have a new body when we come into the presence of the Lord like the body of Jesus. And I cannot explain those wounds, but they're there because Jesus said, see my hands and my feet. Look at the wounds. I'm real. They had watched him die. They'd seen them nail the nails in his hands and feet. And also they had watched that spear being thrust in his side. And how Could this be Jesus who had died? And yet Jesus said, I want to show you proof. Look at my hands and my feet. It's me. I'm not a ghost. Uh, I'm really a Jesus. I'm the same one that was with you for three years. And so uh, he showed them his wounds. They'd watched him die. But also uh, they had received his peace. The first thing he said when he stood in their midst was, peace, peace be with you. The, he did not return to extract vengeance on his enemies. He did not uh, return to, to put shame on his friends. But he spoke peace and reconciliation even to those that had deserted him at the cross. Every single one of those in that room had deserted him at the cross with the exception of John the Beloved. Paul would later on say, Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, why would the world need to be reconciled to God? It's because everything in this world is contrary to what God has planned for us. So God is in the ministry of reconciliation. And he's given that ministry to you and I. And we're in the ministry of reconciliation. That is the thrust of our ministry. And if it's not the thrust of our ministry, we've missed the calling that God has placed on our life. Not only did they receive his peace, but also they received an invitation to examine his wounds. 
uh, he said, here, touch me. Now, of course, when he was at, at the garden, he, he said, don't touch me because I've not ascended to the Father. And here he says, touch me. Put your hands in the, in the wounds, you know, and make sure that you know I'm real. And so he is inviting them in a show and tell time. Ghosts do not have flesh and blood, Jesus said, uh, flesh and bones. You notice he didn't mention blood because he had shed that blood on Calvary's cross for your sins and for mine. And then they rejoiced at the resurrection, uh, but they still was kindly hesitant. You know, it takes us a while to learn. It takes us a while for our spiritual eyes to be opened, the scales to be fallen. We can get it in our heads before we can get it in our hearts. And so it takes a while. And see, they were still hesitant about it, but yet they were rejoicing. They were having a good time because Jesus, who was dead, is now alive again. And then Jesus offered that additional proof. He said, I'm hungry. You have anything here to eat? And they gave him broiled fish, and he ate it in their midst. You see, Jesus was leaving no stone unturned in revealing that he was alive, that he was present in their midst. And then I want you to know something, verses 44 and following. Verse 44 tells us that we need to be warning about our witness. We need to have a warning about our witness. What is our witness like? If our witness is not what it ought to be, the world will not believe us. If we do not have the witness that is correct, we're witnesses of all that God has revealed to us. And at this moment, they were uh, being told that uh, they, their witness was of all the Scriptures, not just the fact that they had known Jesus. But he says, this is what I told you when I was with you, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. When we think of Jesus sometimes, we think about, well, there's old good old Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do you know that they didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at this point? They didn't have the Apostle Paul's letters. They didn't have uh, the account of James, Peter, and certainly not John the Revelator. They had the Old Testament. And so he says, this is what has begun in Genesis through Malachi. This is what the Scriptures has been talking about all along. It's been talking about me. You see, it was not just history. It was his story. He was... He had the role of a prophet. It was foretold in Deuteronomy chapter 18. He had the role, uh, it, was, it described his suffering. We can see that in Psalms 18 and 22. It talks about his resurrections. We can see that in Psalms 19 and Psalms 53. Jesus said, you diligently seek the Scriptures because you think by them you have eternal life. But they are they, those that speak of me, and yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus is saying, the Scriptures from Genesis to Malachi has been talking about me. And that's, what, that's God's eternal plan. 
And all of a sudden, they're understanding. The Scripture says that they begin to understand, verse 45. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. He began to teach them in such a way that they understood. It began to click. You know, sometimes when we study God's Word, we'll, we'll study a, a, a particular passage and we, we think we got it down. Or I, I, Now, I'm, I'm confessing here. We think we got, man, I know everything about that. And then one day we're reading and we're thinking and we're musing on that verse of Scripture and God opens the door for something else that we've never seen before. I don't know, that's, that's my, my story. I know telling how many times I've preached on certain scriptures. I remember when I was pastor in Florida that I had a man in the church that kept a record of every sermon I preached. And so if I use John 14, 1 through 6, now y- y'all know that's probably one of my favorite verses, favorite passages of scriptures. If I use John 14, 1 through 6, he would record Brother Paul and the date. And so I've used that passage many times. And every time I would use that passage, he'd come and say, he'd open his Bible and say, Brother Paul, you preached that sermon. August the 12th. And I said, dear brother, I used that passage August the 12th, but that's a new sermon that you just heard. And and, and like John 3, 16, I've preached that sermon many, many times. And he'd record every time I preached now, he, he thought I, I had a, a battery of sermons back in my file. I just pull one out and, and, and preach it. But you see, the passages of Scripture is that oftentimes that we read over and over again, God gives us new revelation. And that's what it's for. He's opening our understanding. He's helping us to see it more completely. God's dealing with Israel was becoming clear. God's eternal plan was becoming clear to those disciples. Even in the last few days of their life, they were arguing about who was going to be number one or number two in the kingdom. And Jesus had to reveal to them in those last moments of his life here on this earth that that was not going to happen, that God had a greater plan, a larger plan that included all of mankind who would come to know his son by faith. How could the ancients know that by sacrificing an innocent lamb and spilling that innocent lamb's blood could atone for their sins? How did they know that? Because down the road, Several hundred years later, there was a lamb that was slain on the cross for their sins. How could they know that? How could they understand God's eternal plan? How could they put it all together? They had no idea sometimes about what they were doing, but yet God was revealing his plan. He was showing them that he had a larger plan than just uh, the sacrificial system. More than we study the Word of God, the more the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to us what God really is all about. In fact, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our inward teacher. He comes to live in our, within our hearts when we receive the Lord Jesus as our personal Savior, and, and the Holy Spirit will teach us. In fact, Jesus said, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. John 14, 26. Their understanding was beginning to be opened. And then the message of repentance and forgiveness could now be preached to the ends of the earth. In those early days, uh, it was local. Uh, The Jews uh, had the message of Christ or had the message of God, but they kept it for themselves. And oftentimes there was much tension and and. and fighting because, be, between the races and the, and the tribes because they did not understand that God's word was a word of repentance and forgiveness. That's why Jesus came. And now uh, that uh, uh, he had come and offered that forgiveness and repentance, it was available to everyone. You wonder, why in the world would God want... Uh, for repentance and forgiveness to be preached to the ends of the earth. Well, I looked in the Scriptures, and I, I, I think I've caught it. You see, Paul, when he stood on Mars Hill, began to preach to the Athenians. And, and listen to what he says in Acts 17. He says, in times past, God overlooked such ignorance. But he has commanded all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day and a judge, a day in which he will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, if I understand that correctly, Paul is saying in our time of ignorance, when we did not understand the plan of God, when it was still unfolding in our in our ears and in our minds, God maybe overlooked some things, did not, did not dismiss them. But he knew that there was a sacrificial lamb that was coming that would cover the sins of mankind. And for a while, he overlooked that. But now he has put a date and a judge. And that date, we don't know when it's coming, but we know that he set a date for judgment. He's going to judge this world. He's going to judge you and I because of our relationship with God. Then I want you to notice the final thing found here in these last verses, the waiting for the wind. We kind of, it's not directly in the Scriptures, but I think it's indicated here. In verse 49, he says, I'm going to send uh, you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, he did not tell us exactly what that promise was. We kind of have to look over, back over in John and then over in Acts in order to see that. Uh, Jesus commanded his followers to wait in Jerusalem until they were endued with power to proclaim the gospel. Had those young, uh, eager Uh, disciples went out to preach the gospel on their own, the devil would have beat them to pulp. But when they had the Holy Spirit, when they had the power of God behind their message, they could speak with boldness and assurity that God was going to bring about transformation. This became the outline of Luke's second second gospel, 
the gospel of Acts or the book of Acts. This empowering was promised by the Father, and he was going to, it was going to take some earth-shaking events to change the minds of those timid disciples. It was going to take something spectacular to change those disciples from despair to declaration or from doubters to true disciples. Uh, he had watched, they had watched him die, and now they were hesitant even to talk about Jesus. I want you to notice the agony of weight. We're good at that, aren't we? We're real good at waiting. Uh, when, when things happen in my life, jokingly, and I know the Lord understands this, jokingly I say, Lord, I don't know what you're trying to teach me, but I'm a fast learner. You see, I'm not good at waiting. I'm not good at waiting at all. You say, well, Brother Paul, I don't have a problem with that. Oh, well, okay. Have you ever been in that waiting room at the hospital where your loved one is going through very serious surgery? And that hour becomes hours and hours and hours. How do you take that? I can imagine these disciples as they walked up and down wringing their hands waiting for something that had never happened before, the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all mankind. He did not, they did not know they were waiting. What would happen? What would be the change that would, uh, would occur? Uh, what would it be like? How can we ever accomplish the task of sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth? I think their weight was much like my weight. They wanted it over in a hurry. But you see, God was taking his time. God was working out his will. And all of a sudden, the Bible says there was a sound of a violent heavenly wind straight from the throne of God, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And suddenly, each man saw what appeared to be tongues of cloven fire upon each man's head. All of a sudden... The Bible says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the same Spirit that opens closed minds, that unstops deaf ears. That's the same Holy Spirit that drops the scales from blinded eyes and convicts the heart-hearted sinners. That's the same Holy Spirit that melts our wills and changes our lives. And they began to speak so that they were understood by 14 different languages. They didn't have a problem with hearing that day. They had a problem with listening to God. God's word was being spread. It was being spread throughout all the world at one time. The potentially every single language mentioned here was for a different region. In fact, the Holy Spirit of God was jump-starting the message of salvation and redemption to a lost and dying world. Notice, if you will, the arrangement as a result of the wait. Things were awfully confused, I'm sure, especially to those who saw what was happening because some of them said, these folks are drunk. 
Peter stood up. Notice Peter stood up with boldness. And he talked about the conclusion of all this matter. He says in that last verse of Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 40, he said, Therefore, let all of Israel know, be assured of this, God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Notice that word, Lord, Creator, Sovereign God, Christ, Messiah, Promised One, Kinsman, Redeemer, Savior. This is the gospel. Someone would say, what is the gospel? God has made this man both Lord and Christ. That's the gospel. And that's the gospel we've got to take to the ends of the earth. Because our world does not know that God has chosen a man by the name of Jesus. God has given him a name above every name. At the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The world does not know that. And we must tell them. Notice the arrangement of this result of the wake. The Bible says, suddenly, the people heard the gospel. It began to make sense to them. And then they were convicted because God had reminded them that he had chosen Jesus to be their judge. God's concerned about what we do with Jesus. Now, I know that's not a popular thing in the world in which we live. But God hasn't changed his mind. You know, we think if we just say it long enough that God will forget about the fact that his only son went to the cross and died for our sins and was buried and risen on the third day and now sits at the right hand of God that will ultimately be our judge. If we just just talk about it long enough, you know, and bring in other possibilities, you know, sooner or later God will change his mind. You better wise up and smell the coffee. It ain't happening. In fact, Jesus said that he was going to judge. He's to be the judge. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, everyone stands before the God of the universe to be judged. Our sins are going to be judged, every single one of them. For the believer, our sins were judged on the cross. Not just our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. For the unbeliever, we're going to have to, they're going to have to stand before God and be judged. Guess who their judge is? Jesus. Now, there's a, gift, there's a difference between wages and, and gifts. Wages is something we earn. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
You see, the, a wage is something you earn. A gift is something you do not earn. It's given, given out of the, the, the goodness of the heart of the giver. So in that verse of Scripture, it tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, if you want to live your life on your own and earn your own wages, I can tell you what the results is going to be. Death. But if you want to receive God's free gift, not free, free for us, but not free for Him. He paid the price on the cross. If we want to see that, receive that gift, that free gift, we receive Him as our Lord and Master. This is the verdict of a God who never changes. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, notice, if you will, that not only did they hear the gospel, they were convicted of their sins, and they cried out for repentance, but they also accepted the message of repentance and forgiveness. Would to God that every man, woman, boy, or girl would do the same. What could, what could we do uh, with people who have given their heart and life to Jesus, who are fully invested in the message of salvation. What could we do with a room full, a church full, a community full, uh, a state full, a nation full of people committed to sharing the good news of the gospel of Christ? What could we do? What could God do? Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The invitation is there for a lost and dying world. In fact, that's what Jesus said that they were to do. They were to go and preach the gospel, preach the word. The word of repentance and, and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning first at Jerusalem and then to the ends of the earth. That great commission that Jesus gave his disciples in Matthew 28 says, Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them and teaching them and to observe all the things which I've commanded. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. You know, it's wonderful to know that Jesus is with us, that we don't have to do this on our own. This is not in our power, our strength, but what we do for Christ has his backing. He says, I am with you. Now, my question to you today is, have you heard the word? Have you heard the word? Have you heard the gospel? Is it now becoming plain to you? What is, what, what, what effect does it have on, are you convicted of your sin and an and am I convict, convicted of my sin, knowing that I'm going to stand before the God of the universe one day in judgment? Am I receiving His Word? Am I accepting His message of repentance 
and forgiveness? That's the question for every single person here today. My prayer is that we have heard the word, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to hear God's final word through His Son. The Bible says after this happened that He led them out in the vicinity of Bethany and He raised His hands and blessed them. And all of a sudden, He disappeared in the heavens. Now, one version says, an angel said, why are you standing looking up into heaven? This same Jesus that you've seen go to heaven is going to come in like manner. Go and tell. That's our job. Will you join us? There may be somebody here today that's never received the Lord Jesus. I want to tell you, you can't get out of this world. You can't get out of this world. But one or two ways, with him or without him. And one day you stand before the Lord. And what he's going to determine is, what have you done with my son? My prayer is you have received him. If you have not, today can be the day of salvation for you. There may be people here who need to be a part of a great fellowship. We believe that we've got a great fellowship here at Pelham First Baptist. We believe that God is doing some great things here. We need all the volunteers we can get because we've got a big job to do. There are thousands and literally millions of people that have never heard the name of Jesus. And our job is to go and tell. Now, the decision is yours, and it has to be made today. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity just to open your word. I want to thank you for what you've spoken to my heart. I pray that you've spoken the same thing to all the hearts that are here today. I pray, Lord, that you might guide us and direct us, that we'll make the kind of decisions that we'll embrace the Lord Jesus in such a way that the world will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have met the Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you will guide us today in the decision time. And, Lord, as the music begins, I pray that hearts will be touched and feet will be motivated, and that, that, that decisions will be made today for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, who loves us so much that he's even right now at the right hand of God making intercession for us. Father, this invitation belongs to you. I pray, Lord, that you will use it wisely. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.